five, four, three, two, one. And we're live. What's up, everybody? Mark and Adam, two bros coming We're back. Reunited. That's right. We've had a little uh, bit of a break the past couple weeks, but we're back. We're back, and we wanted to come together today to just talk about, one, catch up with each other, and just see how we are doing with what's going on in our nation. We have been experiencing a lot of unrest, a lot of tension around injustice and racial equality. And I haven't had a chance to process a lot of my thoughts fully. Adam is someone that I love and trust as brother, mentor, person. And so I wanted to meet with you today, Adam, to just try to bounce around some ideas, see how you're feeling about things, see if we can try to, yeah, how we can listen, learn, and grow, really. And so, yeah, man, Um, it's going to be probably a a little bit of a heavier one, but we'll try to come away with this with maybe a, um, a step or two that we feel like would be a good direction for our community to take, as well as hopefully for myself personally, being able to just try to sort out a little bit more of, of thoughts on how I can, how I can change my perspective as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just saying this before we started recording, but what's weird about these podcast uh, things is (laughs) we don't really know when, you are listening to this when you're hearing this. Um, so just for context, let's say you're listening in August. Uh, you know, we are right on the cusp of, um, or, or right on the tail end of uh, uh, the murder of George Floyd and uh, uh, protesting and riots that have happened since then. And just in the middle of just heaviness, heart heartbreaking, um, stuff. And just like you mentioned, Mark, yeah, we just, it's been hard to sift through it all. Uh, again, uh, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, just this past Sunday, we first started the conversation at Sank, And I think what was a pretty significant and beautiful moment of taking communion together and just having a moment to moment of silence for George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and so many, uh, that have lost their lives in the 400 plus years uh, of our nation's history. And, and, and so we're continuing that uh, just time of reflecting and trying to sift, sift stuff out and, and, and just starting there for me, you know, that was the, that was the first time as the sank pastor, at least that uh, we've had to deal with something quite like this. And so it was just uh uh, I, I just heard from a lot of, of Sank um, people afterwards. They just uh, appreciated it and and just agree that we need to uh, to lean into this conversation. And and there can be a tendency, and maybe this was part part of where our conversation will go. But there can be a tendency with churches and church people to uh, shy away from these kind of things. And sometimes it's it's not with bad intentions. Sometimes it's because we don't want to say the wrong thing from stage or mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to exasper- exasperate the problem. That's not the right word. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, I think a realization for me, uh, and again, we can, 
maybe get into each other's stories a little bit more. That can be our conversation. But, but specifically this past weekend was just like, uh, felt the Holy Spirit just saying like, it's time for us to just, we can't be silent. Uh, at all yeah. about this this um, conversation, we have to bring it out into the open uh, as hard as it can be, and as painful. Dude, that's really good. And honestly, that is is probably what I feel most convicted about. And I mean, we can get into a little bit of, of story right now. I think that might help set yeah, some yeah. context for that. So, for me, my my mother is French, Irish, and Dutch. My dad is Japanese, and so. It's it's always been a little bit weird not fitting in fully to a certain, I don't know, ethnicity, race, demographic, however you want to say. I've but like I've always kind of felt like I could identify with one or the other. And so hmm. I think what my initial convictions were was uh, I was confronted with social media and the ability to keep scrolling. Like there was this idea that I That's had right. where it was like, man, like you, even though you are somewhat of a minority, and probably I'm an, a minority, it's it's not affecting you as much as it is affecting other minorities. And it is a privilege that, that I can keep scrolling past it to try to forget. And so when this first thing yep. was starting, it was like, man, some people don't have that same privilege. Some people cannot turn off the news. Some people cannot, you know, listen to culture, go outside and feel the same escape that I feel by me simply saying, I don't want to deal with it right now. I don't have to deal with it right now. So I'm not going mm-hmm. to. And when, when I, that realization, like realization set in, it felt very heavy and I felt very guilty and it was challenging. Uh, it was deeply, deeply challenging because I would feel like, you know, I am not a racist person <laughs> at all, but that's right. not the same thing as being anti-racist and yeah. just that kind of idea. And so it was, it was like a, a fast track to learning, okay, where am I at? What's my starting point and how can I get to some, you know, how can I, how can I move forward? And so it's just, yeah, I don't know, man. What were your like initial thoughts reaction when this thing was, you know, starting to get bigger and more publicized and, you know, when the protests went, went on day after day, you know, I think now around day 10 or so of, of protests, like what was your initial thoughts when everything kind of started? Yeah. Uh, Well, first off, thanks for just being honest, man. And I think I'd love to hear a little more about your background as well. Mm -hmm. Um, because you also, like you said, you are a minority, uh, and that's something, uh, your experiences have been different than our black brothers and sisters, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you have experienced, uh, your set of, um, bigotry or, mm-hmm. uh, challenges. So, yeah, uh, I'd love to, to hear more about that. Um, a little bit, my background, uh, so, you know, very similar to you, it, in my conclusion in the past 10 days or so, but I grew up, um, so I come from a family in, in the South in Oklahoma Mm. and my grandpa who I've talked about before was a Southern Baptist preacher. And when he was in, uh, Arkansas, he fought against his board of elders, um, 
to baptize the first African American uh, man in in that church. Wow. They'd never done that. Wow. The elders were really upset about that, and my my grandpa fought against that and baptized him and got a lot of got a lot of hate, um, mm-hmm. you know, voice against that. And uh, my grandpa was just always that kind of guy, uh, sort of fighting for the underdog. He was always. Uh, uh, pretty poor him uh, back in Oklahoma, and, uh, and then my dad was a football coach, and uh, we lived for a portion of our lives uh, in a. Uh, it it it's, was probably majority African American community is at least like half and half, um, mm-hmm. and he was a football coach, and he just really stood up for. Um, he just had a great standing with the black community there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and then me in that same period of time, most of my good friends were black. Uh, I played basketball and I was literally in junior high. I was the, the only white person on the basketball team. <laughs> and uh, at one point it was sort of like a, a badge of pride for me. Um, but I was with a group of, uh, of friends uh, who were black and uh, my buddy Quentin, something had happened. He was just upset at some of the white dudes and, and he was going on a rant and he said something like those white rednecked whatever's. And then he caught my eyes and he looked at me mm-hmm. and he's like, man, don't worry about it. You're not one of them. You're one of us. And I was just like, yes, you know, <laughs> sort of like a, uh, you know, yeah. I was very proud of that. And so with that, that was sort of my background. Mm-hmm. I would look at our family and what we stood for in our relationships Um Compared to some of the other Oklahoma yeah. culture stuff yeah. and things I'd heard, the jokes I'd heard, the mm. like literal things I'd heard said to my friends. And so for me, I, I just always was like, well, I'm the opposite of that. <laughs> Whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. I'm not that. Like I am for, uh, for uh, my brothers and sisters, you know, I'm uh, good relationships with them. I am not a racist in and I would say that's that's pretty pretty much been my life, and, and I just because I have had good relationships, I, I, I've uh, I think I and this has been really hard for me to I, I I don't know what about this has caused me to sort of have ignorance, um, but the past ten days there's just been a new conviction of just like yeah, but that's not enough, mm-hmm. like. Just being not racist is not enough. Mm-hmm. And so your word exactly, uh, I, I know it's a, a word that's being used a little more now, but just this uh, transformation from not a racist to anti-racist, mm-hmm. has it just hit me. And it, it's just been heartbreaking because I think back now, years of just things because of my privilege, because of even... Uh, I don't think you mentioned this piece, but even just physical distance, um, I've just often lived in places where mm-hmm. uh, at least some of the more uh, outward expressions of racism, um, you know, this last one was in Minnesota, but a lot of them have been in the South and, you know, we're over here in California. And so I've allowed that physical distance or, uh, you know, just emotional distance, whatever it is. And I just haven't said anything or I haven't, you know, I just haven't really played a role in pushing against that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that just has been heartbreaking. And so to your, it was a long way for me to answer your question. Um, 
I, I don't know what it was about this situation. I th- I'm sure it's just the com- accumulation of violence and bigotry. Um, mm-hmm. But when I saw uh, the video George Floyd, Floyd um, yeah, this time it just broke me in a new way of just like, I have to play a role in this. Um, and Lori has been similar. Our family, we just feel like we have to do more. We can't just say, well, I love, I love all races and ethnicities. It's got to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting, you know, hearing your story, this is a lot of people right now. And, and so there is a, there is a little thread of hope. I, I, I and I'm even tentative to say that cause I'm sure, um, our black friends are not feeling that hope as much right now, but I, I do feel a little thread of hope that, mm-hmm. uh, the whole Holy spirit is moving in people mm-hmm. in a new way. And, and, uh, we're just all sort of waking up to rea- reality that's been just going on for forever. Man, that's good. I I really hope that uh, I can come away from this conversation with a little bit of that hope to, to just to be completely honest. Like yeah. I think I, I'm on the same page with you as I, I do sense, you know, the spirit moving in how people are, you know, seeing the world and, and seeing how they play a part in that. But I am admittedly unhopeful for really systemic change. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm prayerful and I'm, and I really want there to, I want that to be the outcome. I want this to be the moment where, you know, amongst the pivot of COVID, we also pivot towards equality, but Mm. I don't know, man, I, I still, I still feel skeptical. So yeah, and uh, and to be clear, that is uh, a very fair <laughs> uh, assessment and feeling and emotion. And again, uh, I definitely don't want that to come across like uh, I'm extremely hopeful or yeah. even minimizing, like right. uh, again, what uh, the black community is going through, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, even like you as just a minority, it's e- way easier for me to say that. And I, I so I don't want that to come across like I'm anything is, is cheery. Um, I I think the hope for me, probably if I can name the place where I see it the most is there, you know, going back to Oklahoma, there are Oklahoma friends in the past week who are waking up to reality. These are people I just never would have thought that they would be able to see past, um, their own perspective of the world. And it's just like, Oh geez, like, if, if God can somehow break through this kind of ignorance mm. in, 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 in some of us, um, yeah, a little bit of hope there, but again, that's, yeah. And I, I think, man, you, you hit on something. I, I think it's spot on. You said, uh, you know, the systems, the systemic injustice, that is the piece uh, my wife literally, uh, we were just talking about this like an hour uh, ago mm-hmm. in between zoom meetings. And that's the piece, uh, that's just feels that it's got to come, come down and, and we got to f- figure that out. Um, because I, again, this would be Lori's story of mine as well. It's like, I think for years, it's like, yes, we can love, uh, our friends mm-hmm. of, of different ethnicities, that's obviously a huge start or we can work on ourselves. Again, we, we have to do that. It's important work. 
Uh, but it's these systems that have been in place for years and years and years. How do we combat those? How do we uh, speak into that? So, mm-hmm. man, I, I feel that for sure. Yeah, that's something. I mean, there's so much in there that I want to unpack, but I think I want to focus in on your experience growing up because that is much different than my experience, um, both in who we were around, but also where we lived in the climate of that culture and area. So I think that's kind of yeah. fascinating. You are from Oklahoma. It's rural. That yeah. Like when I think, and I'm, it's totally stereotypical, this is not fair of me, but when I think of where racists would live, <laughs> I would think in the South. And I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's just where my mind goes to. And so how have maybe some of, like what you're saying, some of those people, um, how do you think this movement right now has changed like either their perspective or what responses have you seen? And I guess maybe what areas can, can we help people grow if we are not seeing growth or something like that? I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, yeah. no, those are all, all good questions. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think that's fair that in, in just like with any, any stereotype, of course there are a lot of untruths in those, like, you know, uh, there are people like my grandpa or there are, there are tons of people that are uh, wouldn't fit that. But uh, yeah, it, it tends to, uh, for whatever reason, there there tends to be a little more um, deep-seated racism in, in the South. And um, yeah, I think, uh, again, I, I, I want to be careful using, <laughs> using the word hope too much. That's not even the word I'm, the right word here, but there is a progression that just naturally happens in life. So take out like the emotion of hope Mm -hmm. and just put in the word progression for this conversation right now. But, uh, the generation I grew up with, even in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. was a lot different than like my parents' generation. And then of course my grandpa's generation. Yep. And so, you know, growing up in the, for me it was elementary and junior high years is when I was in the specific town and, and it just, uh, it was a different kind of thing for us as kids because we were, you know, obviously the schools had all been, uh, desegregated and we grew up playing sports together. Um, so there, there's a little more of a progression in that. And so a lot of my friends, there was not like, a what you would think of as like an outward expression of, of racism, mm-hmm. uh, more our age, but just a. Uh, like something I might've heard five years ago, even is just like, uh, that's a, like social justice is a liberal Mm -hmm. agenda type thing. Like, uh, or, you know, let's take a, a a term like uh, affirmative action, Mm -hmm. you know, where, uh, someone might, like a minority, uh, might, might get help to get a job. Like my friends would say like, I, man, I work just as hard as anybody else. I don't get, I don't understand why they get preference. Um, so some of these more sort of what you're saying, it's more the, the underlying system stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my friends again, like five years ago would have said like, yeah, like, but I didn't do all that stuff in the past. Like, shouldn't we be on equal footing now? Like we all, it, it, the hard workers should rise to the top and get the the good jobs and mm. the good neighborhoods uh and, and that's what i see 
breaking, mm-hmm. um, where it's just like, oh, I never thought of it. Like literally I've had friends say to me, like, I just had never thought of like the fact that, uh, I was raised in this good neighborhood and that can be traced back to hundreds of years ago, you mm-hmm. know? Um, not only that, but it's so, traced to education as well. Like when you're in a good exactly. neighborhood, you're going to get better education mm-hmm. and you're going to get better opportunity. And so it's completely systemic. Yep. Yeah. Totally. And, and, you know, so many, uh, my friends who look like me, uh, l- have never been pulled over at all by cop, mm-hmm. much less, you know, th- uh, 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 you know, have ever thought about like being pulled over for no reason, yeah. just being in the wrong neighborhood. Uh, you know, it, and so I think some of these conversations are finally getting through. And so I think to your question, uh, you sort of asked like, what can we do? A big part of that. Uh, so this book that I'm reading that we're going to start discussing as St. Community, uh, be the bridge, mm. uh, Latasha Morrison, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she writes this phrase, the power of awareness, and, and that's the first step to change is awareness of of uh, so that's education, that's learning, and uh, it has taken way too long. But yeah, uh, some of my friends and I, I mean me too, the awareness is finally starting to like becoming more and more aware, becoming more educated, um, which is why. Excuse me. Um, right now, you know, uh, if you go and look for this book on Amazon, it's all sold out. Like uh, the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, all sold out. Uh, I'm Still Here, uh, a book about black dignity, all sold out. Like all these books that have been written in the past few years, it's like um, just tons of, of people now are just racing to get them. Because we're just seeing like I, there's so much I didn't even – know about um so yeah i think learning education awareness is a big piece of that and that's man that that that's probably not a doesn't feel super helpful in the moment because that's a that's a longer term approach right Mm -hmm. that's that's sort of the trickiness here um in this book uh latasha says it's a marathon not a sprint and that can in a situation that we're in right now in the past 10 days man a marathon does not feel just, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, we want something now. Understandably. Absolutely. But, and just to kind of further drive that point home. Like if it, if, if the root of this is really systemic, then there's not one quick blanket fix that we can just say, Hey, like do this one yeah. thing and then it's going to be solved. It's not, you know, it, it's going to take years and probably generations of like-minded slow marathon style one decision one thought at a time in order for us to really reach a place where you know that systemic part of it is changed yeah totally man yeah i just started uh on twitter i follow uh uh her name's austin channing brown Mm -hmm. and she's written one of these books she's just a big advocate um, for equality. And, and a couple of days ago, she just wrote and she said, man, I'm so glad many of you are jumping on board. Mm. And she said, I hope that you'll stay on board once you realize how slow and hard systemic uh, equality takes. Mm. And, and that's, uh, yeah, that's the part where, uh, that is where we have to uh, be super educated and we have to be growing and learning. Because one negative of social media is that we can immediately get fired up about something. 
uh, we see video, we see mm-hmm. uh, our friend or someone post something, it just gets us fired up. And, and that's good. That's great that we are sparked with a moment of just like uh, justice. That's not right. Um, but the problem can be that we just respond in the moment and we just sort of say, ah, you know, and we sort of go at it. Uh, but then long-term we sort of go about our lives and, and the hopeful thing about a, a, a commitment to a lifelong journey into learning about these systems of injustice and racism is that this would hopefully be, help us become more and more aware. So we make more and more changes over time. Uh, and also there's a level, most think people are different than this, including you. Uh, but there is a, there's another generation coming along and we have an opportunity, you know, that's what Lori and I have talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, This was pretty hard for my wife, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Hadley, my six-year-old is doing kindergarten online and, and she was reading a book about Martin Luther King and uh, she just read a book about Rosa Parks the week before. Mm. And uh, she asked, you know, sort of Martin Luther King's uh, journey and his, his uh, when he got murdered, you know, at the end of it, of course, as a six-year-old, she's just like, you know, it's heavy. And so she asked my wife, I wasn't in there at the time, and she was just like, mommy's like, does that still happen? Mm. Like, do people uh, hate other people because of what their color of their skin? And, mm. you know, it just broke my wife because she was like, yeah, yeah, buddy it still happens. And it's just like, mm-hmm. uh, it's so hard, but that's, you know, we have this next generation that we can, mm-hmm. uh, even teach them even more. Like they can come up mm-hmm. with even more awareness of these injustices, even more, um, fire in their belly to, to keep, um, fighting more and more for that. Uh, so that's been an interesting perspective. I'm just rambling now, by the way, so I'm sorry. Uh, but as a parent, that's been an interesting perspective. Um, just how do we re- uh, educate our, our, our kids? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's So they're starting at a better place than many of us started. Right. When, when you uh, f- first mm-hmm. used that, uh, or when you first said that social media is like a way to get people fired up, um, my mind immediately went to um, there's different kinds of fuel that starts fires just, and Mm. one of those fuels is called flash fuel. It burns really fast really hot and then it burns out, but flash fuel can be really bad. If there's big, like if you're talking about like wilderness or wild, wildland firefighting, like if it lights a log or if it lights other bigger brush. So I'm hoping that this is the flash fuel that causes the other bigger, longer, long-term fuels to catch fire as well. And that's going to be the marathon part of this, of this sprint movement. Yeah, dude, what a great metaphor. That's so good, man. There was a pastor that tweeted, um, something a few days ago of just like, uh, there is this initial response that we cannot be silent. We have to speak up. Mm -hmm. We have to, you know, yes, we got to use the flash fuel to just get us a spark. Mm -hmm. The spark has to ignite. And we can't ignore it. But then he was talking about his own church, but he's, he's like, it is my job to put long terms. Like yep. that's not going to last forever. I have to figure out why I don't have more diversity on staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
what are we doing as a church to perpetuate the problem? Uh, how can we develop relationships with uh, churches of other ethnicities so that we are so in line in partnership when something like this, hope, you know, hopefully doesn't, but probably will happen that we can immediately be with them on the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm right there with you. It's, that's a great metaphor to think about is like, we have to use this spark to ignite us. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then we gotta, we gotta use more sustainable kinds of fuel to keep that fire going and getting bigger. Well, we were, ch we were chatting earlier today and I love something that you said. I don't even know if, I mean, you're pretty thoughtful when you speak, but this one was, we were just kind of texting and more off the cuff, but I asked you about something and you <clears> said like, this is going to be a new normal. Like this moment, not only is COVID a new normal, but it feels like this particular <laughs> yeah. moment in how we're interacting and seeing other human beings is also a new normal. And so I love that, that idea of, man, I, 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 I'm hopeful, I meant, again, to use that word, I'm hopeful yeah. that we as, we as people can come together and use this, you know, use this spark as something that can light something more. So that's good, man. Yeah, dude. Well, and yeah, I, I could see how someone could be listening to that and saying like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Right. And that's, I think that's fair Absolutely. to what you said earlier. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I don't, definitely don't want that to sound like false hope. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the conviction for me, and I don't know the answer, that's pro part of the difficulty of this conversation. Mm -hmm. But it's like, uh, you know, for as long as I'm the pastor of our Saint community of 200 to 250 people, mm -hmm. I have a responsibility to make this a new normal. Yeah. You know, it's good. It, it, what, and again, I don't know exactly what that's going to be. Does that mean we always have this discussion group going on that we have people sifting through and learning? Does it mean bringing in uh, my friends from uh, that are minorities in to speak? Does it mean developing mm -hmm. a relationship with young adult ministry that's uh, at a primarily black church? Or you know, I don't know mm -hmm. yet. But um, yeah, that's that's the conviction. I feel is like this has to be the no new normal. Uh, because I want to be able to tell my kids, uh, I might get them a little emotional about this, but it's like, uh, I want to, I want my kids to be able to talk about me in 40, 50 years and be able to say like, my parents like stood up against this and they were not just like loving good people, but they fought against the evil that was existed mm -hmm. in these systems. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, as you know, this might be taken a little too spiritual, but I believe this, like God's going to hold us accountable mm. uh, to the things we can change, the things we can speak out against. And that's, um, that's a sobering reality, man. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, you, you kind of nailed this conversation and our hope for this conversation in a nutshell, which is we don't know what the right thing to do is. We mm. don't know what the right things to say are. We don't know the correct resources I mean, there, things are changing so much. There's so many opinions. But what is important is that we are coming together as brothers and we are trying to figure out, hey, what are you learning from this? How can we push this thing forward? And opening up yeah. space to have this conversation with with knowing that we're not going to get 100% right, but still trying, right. still trying because that's 
we can't, we can't just not try anymore. We can't just say, That's right. you know, I have to craft this perfect statement that I'm going to say because <laughs> I'm going to get pushback on this and I'm fragile and I don't want my ego to get shattered because I didn't say something right. That thinking has to stop. I mean, yeah. And so that's why I'm grateful. Like we're just trying to come, like we're trying to figure this out and yeah. Yep. Amen, dude. Amen. And yeah, you, you sort of nailed me to the T. I know you're talking more broadly about a lot of us, but dude, that's me. Like I, I am so carefully crafted at times and I think it comes from a good heart because I just want everybody to be represented well. I want to speak Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the most compassionate, loving way I can. But because of that, I will, in the past, I've just shied away from certain conversations. Yeah. It's like, I'd rather maybe say things the wrong way or like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, engage, not, not quite the right way, but just engage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. And, and I do want to say like, to your point, like we don't know all the right answers. I do want to encourage people. If you're listening to this, like one next step we're taking a sank. I've already mentioned it a couple of times, but man, be, be a part of our, our group that's going to go through this book together. Mm. Um, again, I've read some of it. I think it's going to be challenging for some. If you've been on this journey for a while, maybe you, you've sort of heard this, but we need to talk about, about this as a group. We need to talk through mm-hmm. uh, uh, why churches look different. We need to talk through mm-hmm. uh, systemic injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to talk about how to bridge that gap, how we can be a part of the solution. So, uh, man, uh, love for you to be a part of that. We're sending out the info in an email later today. I talk, I'll talk about it from stage. Uh, I'm sure we'll put it out on social too, but be a part of that Facebook group. Join us on some zoom discussions. Um, because that exactly what you said, man, at least we can, we can try to keep pushing forward. We can push each other mm-hmm. and we can, we can learn. Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of interesting. I was at a, a conference a while back. It was the Q conference. It was in Nashville, and it was just basically um, the the church and how to handle hard questions, hard topics, stuff mm. like this. Um, there was one keynote speaker. I believe his name was Bart Kwan, but he addressed racial reparations, and his it was very interesting to see his his thoughts and feelings on it. Um, basically, to to come away with like what his answer was, which we can talk about. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong or what, but just smearing the board was in order for us to like, it's not just bringing minorities in to speak. It's not getting minorities onto (laughs) staff. It's not trying to, you know, have equal representation. It's what would church look like today? If everyone had a seat at the table when the church started. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause that's what reparation is. If everyone was equal from the start, if the church, you know, from from the beginning was shaped in a way with all cultures and all people and all forms yeah. of worship, all styles of speaking, if that was equally represented from the start, what would a worship service look like today? And I was just like, yeah. whoa, what an interesting wow. ex- thought experiment. Yeah. I love that, dude. I, um, you know, part of the journey of the author of this book that we're reading is she visit, she started working at a white church mm-hmm. and, uh, and just started looking around and realizing like, uh, 
you know, they, they were doing elevation worship like we do Hillsong yeah. worship, all the, you know, which she, she had a phrase for it. It's, uh, she called it like white, uh, Coldplay like worship <laughs> music or something okay. like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there's something there of just like, uh, I, I've heard it said too, like the key is not just diversity on your staff, but it's getting, uh, it's getting that diversity in key leadership positions yeah. because you need people making calls and decisions and influence um, from a high level where you're, you know, they're speaking into the entire process. Um, mm-hmm. And there's something there too. Um, and, and man, I raising my hand, I'm guilty of this, of just like, and this I think will be a part of our discussion. Cause you know, I think there'll be some pushback on both ways about this, but just like, the church, how we currently have it, especially at more mega churches mm-hmm. like our church, uh, there's almost assimilation type approach mm. uh, with with other ethnicities of like, man, we would love to have you here, uh, but yeah, we're playing the the same kind of music and we sort of have our way of doing things and and so I think part of that discussion is like, how do you approach that? Is that is that maybe that's not a bad thing? Maybe it's uh, it's good to have different expressions, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, to your point, like we have to figure that out. And, and I think, uh, there's actually someone on our staff, uh, their sister-in-law is starting a church in Oakland, uh, with a black friend in the hopes that they can start a church from the ground up as, uh, more biracial, you know? Awesome. And so I, I think to your point, like, man, that would make a lot more sense, you know, <laughs> because from the beginning, you're just, you're talking about things differently or you're seeing things differently, approaching it differently. Do you have any thoughts on, or did he, you know, that speaker, mm-hmm. when you haven't started out like that, how do you sort of change your perspective or sort of tear it down, build it back up? I think it's what you're saying, um, getting key leaders in leadership, but also holding mm-hmm. nothing sacred, not a... Oh, it's we're, good. We're not, we're trying to serve this demographic, this audience. So therefore we're going to tailor our worship, our messages, our speaking around these kinds of people. It's a, this is a come as you are truly like, this is a, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was more so a, every yeah. part of, of what people would experience on Sunday would be influenced by different cultures and different, different things. And so, uh, yeah, it was really fascinating to think about. I'm not sure if that's right right yeah. or wrong, but it was just a it made me think about church in a different way and think about equality yeah. in a different way as well and reparations in a different way. Not just a right now we could start make this change, but man, how can we backdate this to make today's culture reflect what it should be? Right. And that's tough, man. Right. That's tough. It's it's convicting, man. Mm-hmm. It's convicting. Um yeah. I, uh, I, we're definitely not going to wrap this conversation up because no. this is, you know, when we even talked about talking about this is it's just, uh, making sure we're talking about it. Um, not that we're going to have the answers, mm-hmm. uh, but just as a way to sort of close this out today, I, this just literally popped in my head right now. Uh, we're, we're working on, uh, the Beatitudes this Sunday. We're starting summer summer on the mount is what we're calling it awesome. uh, where we're looking at sermon on the mount and by the way trying to challenge everybody to memorize the entire 
Sermon on the Mount. Whoa. Don't know don't know if you're up for that, Mark, if you'll join me in that. All right. You know how I feel <laughs> about competitions. I know. I shouldn't have asked you, dude. You'll have it memorized by next week. <laughs> I'm just gonna come on and monologue. <laughs> Uh, okay, you can join the challenge. Um, but in one of these Beatitudes, uh, as I was just studying for this upcoming Sunday, it's uh, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Mm-hmm. And as I've been studying, uh, just seeing the Hebrew word for mercy, uh, said, I think is how you say it. And this kind of mercy is different than what we normally talk about. This is the mercy is the ability to get inside other people and see things through their eyes, uh, to think things through their minds, uh, feel things like they would feel them. And so it's not a, not a pity, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. It's not sympathy. It's, uh, trying to see things as other people see it, to go through things together, to share, uh, their experience, you know, sort of empathy and, and and that's just something, I mean, I'm going to share at Sank on Sunday, but it's like, that's what Jesus did for us, is he stepped uh, out of his own world, mm-hmm. who he was, and he stepped down into our reality, became like us, and he sacrificed himself Man. for us. And it's like, <laughs> that's what he calls us to. And that's the conviction, that's the part that just made me... Mm-hmm repent and stay up at night because it's like it's not just looking at something from a tv screen and saying oh that sucks i'm so sorry for them it's trying my best and like we've said over and over again i don't know the all the ways to do this but how do i be like jesus and enter in see things truly like how do we see and and it's not not just our black brothers and sisters it's it's our other ethnicities it's those who are a different uh economic level than us it's different like cultures and countries mm-hmm. and see things through their lens enter into that process with them and then sac- sacrifice ourselves for <laughs> out of love and mm. uh so that's that's convicting that is uh it's also beautiful. Like that's why we follow this man. Yeah. You know, it's like he gave us the way. Um, so yeah, that's just something I've been sort of reflecting on as a, uh, I prepare for Sunday. That's great, man. I feel like that's a perfect way to wrap this too. Like, as we said, like this is probably going to be an ongoing conversation. Yeah. Uh, didn't really get into my background too much, but happy to share that with y'all whenever um, oh yeah. And I would love to hear more about that too. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm really uh, grateful that you're taking the approach that you're taking with your, and I think with a lot of people, this is true. Like we have a lot of leaders within the sanctuary community. We have That's right. a lot of influence within our community. And so by you, um, at least trying and at least saying, Hey, this is one thing that we're going to do together. This is how, you know, I'm going to keep this in mind as I'm crafting what Sundays look like, what messages look like, what small group discussions look like. I think that's um, a great way to approach this. And it's also a very humble way to approach it. A lot of leaders I'm seeing are saying, this is the right way we must do this. And they, you know, they might have an answer that they think is right, but I think there's something extremely viable in saying, 
hey, we're not really sure. This is a process that we're all trying to figure out together. And here's, you know, I'm going to invite you along this journey with us as we're learning and growing. So thanks, man. I appreciate your leadership. Appreciate what you're doing with Sanctuary. Dude, well, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you being honest about where you're at and where you're feeling. And and uh, your voice is so valued in our community. And like we said, I think this is just sort of something we've got to keep going on, mm-hmm. whether that's through this podcast or, uh, you know, whatever communication avenues that we have. So, uh, dude, just grateful for you and to be able to talk about this. And so, uh, hopefully you guys listening out there, um, feel challenged and feel, um, the, the encouragement to, to continue this conversation as well, mm-hmm. to grow, to learn, to stretch, to, uh, to get out of our, our comfort zone, to step out of our normal worlds and sacrifice for others. It's great. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. We'll see you guys later. Bye everybody. <laughs>